I actually got pulled over for the first time by a police officer, actually a state trooper, and he was doing commercial vehicle inspections. <laughs> They're doing inspections on commercial vehicles. And I was like, oh, no, this is a uh, RV conversion. I live in here. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 200 with Nomad Brad. I'm really excited to share this conversation with Nomad Brad because I think that we all have a lot to learn from van lifers in the tiny house space. Brad has actually taken a old U-Haul truck, which again is something that not a lot of van lifers are doing, but I think it makes a lot of sense and we'll get into why I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that Brad is doing some really unique things here. So there's a lot to learn, and I think it's an inspiring conversation that you will enjoy, whether you're interested in a tiny house on wheels, a van, a schoolie, etc. Well, I hope you stick around. I'd like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Precision Temp. Precision Temp is making one product to solve two issues that I know everyone deals with, running out of hot water and heating your tiny house or schoolie. Precision Temp has made the amazing Twin Temp Junior propane tankless water heater, which provides unlimited hot water for your tiny house and hydronic heating. This means you get warm, heated floors so there are no cold spots. It's designed specifically for tiny houses and features whisper-quiet operation as well as high efficiency. If you want more information on how Precision Temp can help make tiny living easier and more comfortable, visit precisiontemp.com. While you're there, use the coupon code THLP for $100 off any Precision Temp unit plus free shipping. That website again is precisiontemp.com. Coupon code THLP for $100 off any Precision Temp unit plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring our show. I am here with Brad Thomas, aka Nomad Brad. Nomad Brad has spent the last four years living the van life. He has photographed the lush landscape of Washington's Olympic National Rainforest and camped under Arizona's breathtaking pastel sunsets. His plans were to get lost in nature, be of service to others, and drink green juice. He started out with nothing but a dream of reducing his possessions and finding more freedom. After self-converting his first van and hitting the road, Nomad Brad learned that experience was his best teacher. Many of the items he brought along in his first van were seldom used, and some of his most thought-out design features turned out to be completely unnecessary. After four years of living on the road, Brad is now helping others avoid the same, sometimes costly, mistakes that he did. His mission is to help other free-thinking, nature-loving, adventurous souls navigate the van life experience. Nomad Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I, I appreciate it. I always, hey. uh, I always like talking to new, new faces. Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. And likewise, um, I've been totally just nerding out watching the tour that you did of your van. And it's, it's a nice long video. I think it's over 30 minutes long. And you really go into a lot of details and kind of behind the scenes. So congrats on that one. Yeah, thank you. You know... The video tour I did as the person that built, I tend to go a little more in depth and 
I feel like the people that watch my channel and my videos, they want to know all the nuts and bolts, like what materials I used and how I accomplished certain things. Yep. Versus like I did a, a tour for tiny home tours and they, they got some cool video, but they were also more interested in my story. And so, you know, when I'm just touring my own van, I'm not like telling my story. So it's, you know, it's a different right, experience. Right. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, there are so many cool features here, but I guess just starting out, um, your van that you're currently in is a formal, former U-Haul, correct? Yes, it is. It's a former U-Haul. This is the 12-foot box. Okay. So that's real. That's the small one. It's There's a 10, a 12, a 16, and a 32. Okay. So it, okay. it is on the small side. It's not the smallest. Wow. You wouldn't know that it's 12 when you look at the tour. It looks a lot more spacious than that. It does. Yeah. So when I built this one, you know, I've been in a lot of friends vehicles and they have uh -huh. a lot of storage and cabinets, which allows you to bring a lot of things with you. But then it feels also more enclosed. And I really yeah. just wanted to have a feeling of a large space. Yeah. And so that's what I went for. I think I nailed it. Yeah. It's like open, open floor plan. <laughs> it is. It's open concept. Um. So could you talk a little bit about I love in your bio that you talked about like your first, your first build, some of your like, you know, your darlings, your, your things that you sweated the most over ended up being totally superfluous or, or didn't work the way they, you expected. Can you tell us about some of those things that, that you kind of built out and then kind of nixed in the second, second rig? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, for me, the hardest part is knowing what you're going to want or need mm -hmm. before you've actually lived the lifestyle. Right. So initially I'm just trying to think of my current home in a sticks and bricks and how do I transform that into a, a vehicle? Yeah. And so one thing I ended up with that a lot of other people or that I saw in other videos is an outdoor kitchen. So my first van, I actually re rebuilt, redesigned it three different times in the year and a half I was living in it. But mm -hmm. one of the initial mm -hmm. concepts was I had a big kitchen in the back. So you'd open the back doors and you had your sink and your cooktop and your fridge and you had all your stuff there and a lot of space and, and you could be outside and nature-y. Uh -huh. But I realized pretty quick that when you're living van life, there's a lot of times when you don't want to be outside cooking. Right. And so like if it's rainy or if you're in the city, you know, you don't want to be outside with the doors open, especially at night if it's cold, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I could only access the fridge with the back doors open. So <laughs> I realized pretty quickly that was a poor choice, uh, at least for my lifestyle. I think if you're going to do part time stuff or like weekend getaways or campgrounds, it's totally fine. But for like full time living, I think you want to be able to do everything from inside the vehicle. Got it. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So what are some so was your first van a U-Haul as well? Or was it a more I guess I'm going to say I'm going to say traditional van, but I'm kind of laughing as that comes out of my mouth. Yeah, it was a more <laughs> traditional van. It was just a standard Econoline cargo van. So pretty standard, uh, a lot smaller than this, this box yeah. truck. Yeah. And so like, for example, it was like a mid roof. So I couldn't quite stand up all the way. So like, you know, when I was cooking or doing whatever, I had to tilt my head to the side. 
or I had to spread my legs out super wide and then I could like slouch down and, and do some cooking. So, but I made it a year and a half and I mean, I had some great memories, so I can't even really say that it was a, you know, a, a negative. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that I've done some, um, kind of short term van experiments. Uh, my wife and I did a two week road trip and just, we just flew out to the West coast, rented a minivan from, you know, like the rental car company and just kind of stuck a foam mattress in there, had a pretty rudimentary little wardrobe and kitchen set up. Not being able to stand up is really a major quality of life, uh, down bummer. I would say you should have rented a U-Haul when you flew to the West Coast. Instead of a, <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, I I should have rented a U-Haul though. You know, having I guess an somewhat insulated and heatable cabin was was nice. But your point is well taken. Can I can I ask you what inspired you to make that journey? Because that's what I recommend to people: is if they're thinking about van life, just try it out. You know, go rent a van and and go camping for a week. It was partially because of of COVID, really. This was this was in November, so kind of at the peak of well, one of the peaks of of COVID and my wife had just graduated from grad school and you know, had been dreaming of of doing some traveling. And so it was really out of of partially out of necessity of of needing to or wanting to have our own place to sleep so that we could you know go places see people outside but but have our own way to sleep and just to keep the cost of the trip down right because we didn't want to you know book airbnbs and hotels for for two weeks um but also i think that we recognized a little bit beforehand but then during that it was actually quite it enabled certain things that we wouldn't have been able to do like for example we we found some like stealth camping right outside of yosemite national park nice and so we were able to wake up you know we were waking up with the sun which was pretty early and so we were able to to pop right into the park and see the sunrise over um over half dome i think it was mm-hmm. before everyone else and if we had booked like a hotel we would have been many, many miles outside of the entrance, but because we were in the van, we were able to really see it up close. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of why we got into it. Did you have a similar experience, kind of trying it out before you jumped in? Um, I did. You know, for me, the whole reason I got into van life is I was I owned a business and I was very busy working six, sometimes seven days a week for almost three years, uh-huh. and you know, near the end, I was really getting burnt out. And so what I would do any time off that I could get, you know, I would like go for walks in the park. I lived in Oregon. So there's a lot of a lot of nature in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And so I would go for walks in the park and just kind of relax. And I would always do a little bit more and a little bit more. And I worked myself up to the point where I took a couple days off. And similar to you, at the time, I had an SUV. And so I just went to Target. And I bought like a mattress pad and a cooler and just uh, some snacks. And then I drove out to the mountain for the weekend and just like drove up into the hills, found a parking spot off of a forest road and just camped out for a couple of days. And I just felt so good and so relaxed. And I was just like, man, 
I want, I want my life to be like this, you know, not like it was back in the city. Yeah. And so that was kind of my welcome. And then from there on out, I was just like, how do I make this my reality and, you know, get away from the thing that's causing me the most uh, discomfort. Yeah. And, and so how long did it take between that, that trip and your first van build? It was, let me think here. It would have been probably about six months. Yeah. About six months of, you know, winding everything down. I actually just sold my half of my business to my partner, my business partner, and um, sold all my stuff, just kept a few possessions, bought a van, and converted it into a camper. And it's pretty crazy because I did all this, you know, while like my parents and everybody else was telling me I was crazy. And, you know, I didn't even really think about it. I was just doing it. You know, I felt like I was being called um, and it just felt right. (laughs) And so, yeah, I just, I just moved forward. I think that the U-Haul concept is really appealing, you know, for, for a couple of reasons that we already kind of talked about, which is just being able to stand up. Another one to me is just the stealth nature of it because it, a box truck like that, I guess they're less, they're certainly less popular than like the sprinter style van where I feel like now if you see a tall white work van that doesn't, you know, that has any little feature on it, you can assume that somebody's doing van life and living in there. Yeah. Whereas I think the, the box truck, like what you've got, is still a bit more less used for that. I agree. And it's interesting because I have this debate with people all the time. I bought it as a white box truck. U-Haul removes all their logos. And then I went ahead and added my own logo to it just so it wasn't a plain box truck. Mm-hmm. But the logo is kind of ambiguous. So I think it kind of looks like it could be a business design or something. Yeah, And I did cut a couple windows in the side. However, um, I, I actually got pulled over for the first time uh, about a week ago by a police officer, actually a state trooper, and he was doing commercial vehicle inspections. <laughs> so he pulled me over and he's like, we need to check your, you know, check what's in the back and all this stuff. And I was like, what? And then he explained that they're doing inspections on commercial vehicles. And I was like, oh, no, this is a uh, RV conversion. I live in here. And he was like, what? And he didn't believe me. And he kind of stood back and looked at it. And he was like, well, what's the logo on the side? That looks like a business. And he made me open up the back and show him, you know? Oh, wow. So I feel like if I had a state trooper fooled, then it's pretty damn stealth. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible. Can you talk us through the process of building out a van like a U-Haul like for example what I'm thinking about is like how do you build walls inside do you literally just like frame up some walls and insulate there or or what what did you do on the inside to kind of turn it into this home yeah so the U-Haul platform is definitely the easiest Mm -hmm. and the reason for this is it's it's a complete square inside yeah. So most of the other vans, they have a lot of contours at the top and the bottom. And so it takes a lot of custom, you know, precision and cuts to to build it out. But this one, it's all square. So you can frame it like a regular house. Mm-hmm. The additional advantage of the U-Haul is they have wood strips running uh, lengthwise along the walls. 
And so those come in the U-Haul for like tying down, tying down stuff and you can, mm-hmm. you know, run straps to them. Mm-hmm. But what I did is I, you know, the, those wooden rails that run down the length of the van, they stick out about an inch. And so I found that one inch rigid foam, like from Home Depot fits right inside those and it, it comes out flush. So I just got a bunch of foam panels from Home Depot, cut it into strips and then lined the walls and the ceiling between these rails. And then I put plywood over it and then my wall finishes. Got it. So it was very simple and all the cuts were just, you know, quick, straight cuts. And you could even like, you could put, if you wanted, you know, regular like house cabinets in here, you could hang them just like you would in a house. So for somebody that doesn't want to get too custom, it's definitely simple and it's a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. And, and you know, where do you buy a used U-Haul and, and how much do they go for? Yeah, so that's a good question. So you can buy them on their website directly, uhaul.com. They actually have a tab for buying vehicles. If you buy it directly from them, you know, they're between ten and fifteen thousand dollars, which is still a bargain compared to like any kind of sprinter or transit or pro master that start at, you know, thirty-five thousand. Yeah. But this one I actually bought on Craigslist from a guy that had it that didn't use it and so i got it for like 5500 bucks wow now this was about two years ago and you know the for some reason the market was soft and i got a really good deal on it but i've been watching and right now the prices are pretty they're a lot higher but uh definitely watch craigslist and also facebook marketplace nice okay yeah and and as as is the case for most things they're more expensive right now um but I, I would imagine that the price of U-Hauls has not gone up in the same way that the price of vans has. Because they've gone crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about the U-Haul is I think it's, it's le- less desirable. People are, haven't yeah. really caught into it, onto it yet. Yeah. The next biggest platform besides like the sprinters and stuff seems to be like the shuttle buses. You see, I've seen the prices on those go up quite a bit, but the the U-Haul is kind Mm -hmm. of the final frontier of like vehicles you can convert. I think they're a great choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's face it. Most tiny house dwellers want their homes to be small, but not uncomfortable. That means reliable, unlimited hot water. Precision Temp's propane-fired hot water heaters reliably provide unlimited hot water, and they're specifically designed with tiny homes in mind. In fact, the NSP 550 model was installed in my own tiny home, and the reason I chose it was because it did not require a large hole in the side of my home like other RV hot water heaters. Instead, it mounts discreetly through the floor of the tiny house and works quietly and reliably. Right now, Precision Temp is offering $100 off any unit plus free shipping when you use the coupon code THLP at checkout. So head over to precisiontemp.com and use the coupon code THLP at checkout for $100 off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring our show. So one feature that I really love, there are, there are a whole bunch of features that I want to ask you about, um, but actually sticking on the topic of the U-Haul, um, I would imagine that U-Haul doesn't like sell these trucks until they're, they're pretty well, well-worn. So I'm curious, you know, have you... How has how has it been mechanically 
Um, have you had any, any mechanical issues and also, you know, what kind of maintenance type things have you had to do? Yeah. So the, actually the great thing about U-Haul is, you know, they have to maintain these things to an impeccable standard because, you know, you can't have, you know, John and Jill Smith moving across the country and the thing breaks down on them. You know, that's yeah. terrible uh, customer service and client experience. So they actually very maintain true. them very well. And they usually sell them around 100,000 miles because okay. once you get up above 100, you have to start doing some work to them. But okay, so yeah, like if you go to the website, you'll find them around 100,000 miles. But on these vehicles, I mean, they're designed to go a lot more without any issues. And if you look at like Marketplace and some of the online listings, you'll see these things with 300,000 miles on them. Wow. So you, and so like mine, I've had it two years. I bought it with 121,000 miles. It now has 142,000 miles. Okay. And I haven't had any breakdowns and I've spent about, about $2,000 in just general maintenance. And that's going to a mechanic. You know, I don't really do the work right. myself. So just general like belts and pulleys and hoses. And I had the yeah. shocks replaced. Some other suspension work, the alignment. But other than that, nothing major. Knock on wood. Nice. nice. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, there. It, it's, it's an appealing platform for sure. Um, how about what kind of gas mileage are you getting? So that's probably the least attractive part i get i only get nine and a half miles per gallon mm -hmm. so you know you can get probably double that on any of the other vans like the sprinter promaster transits they probably get close to double yeah but for me i mean with the initial purchase price being so much less you know i mean i could drive this thing for you know six or seven years before i get to you know thirty thousand dollars in gas <laughs> So. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, a new ProMaster, you know, 30 grand. No, yeah. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to take a while to get you there. You just have to be careful, you know, look at how you, you know, how you view it, the, the cost. Because a lot of people are like, oh, nine yeah. and a half miles a gallon. I'm like, yeah, but I bought it for 5,500 bucks, you know? So it's like, I can right. drive a pretty long ways before I get to that point. And I didn't have to finance it. You know, I don't have monthly payments. My insurance is really, really cheap. I only pay $65 a month for insurance. Wow. So, you know, there's benefits. Yeah, certainly, certainly benefits. Um, I love that you decided to kind of, A, keep the, the cabin area kind of clean, because I think that that really helps with the stealthiness. And that's like a major tell, I think, when you see a, a work van and you see like a curtain behind the seats. Or like yeah. a tapestry yeah. or somebody's or clothes drying. You're like, okay, this is a van life van. Um, whereas you've kind of got your cabin is totally clean, but you made it so that you don't have to, to exit your house to, to drive it away. Can, can you talk about that? Yeah, that's really important for me, especially when you're traveling a lot and you're camping mm -hmm. in unknown places. I mean, usually what I like to do is I drive at night because that's kind of wasted time anyway. You know, you're not outside, you're not doing anything. So instead of just yep. laying in bed, reading or on Netflix, I'd usually drive to my next destination. And then half the time I just drive until I'm tired and then I just pull over somewhere and sleep. So yep. being yep. able to just park and then crawl in the back 
and not have to get out of the vehicle is nice. And then also if I need to leave, you know, get up early and leave in a hurry, I can do that, you know, all from inside pretty quick. Right. And so for me, I, that's a non compromise. I got to be able to get from my bed to the driver's seat without going outside. Yeah. And so you found, you found like a, a short little door to go, to go through. Yeah. It was just a beautiful uh, gift from the universe. You know, when I was building this thing out, there was a local, like an RV supply place and they have a bunch of used parts that they pull off of old vehicles. Yeah. And this was a used door and I have no like I wouldn't even know where to buy one of these from. I have no idea where it came from or what it's for. <laughs> but it was the literally the perfect dimensions. And uh and so I I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's so great. And then you also you know, you've done a lot of space saving things here. So for example, the the your refrigerator, um your cooler, you know, your your refrigerator cooler lives underneath the counter but mm-hmm. then when you want to get at it it slides out on drawer slides and kind of blocks that access into the cabin but you know you would obviously never need to be accessing the fridge while you are also trying to walk into the driver's seat correct yeah and the biggest benefit too is you get an additional uh works workspace prep space so right. that right. gives me almost eight feet of countertop and most of the builds I see with the slide out fridges, they slide forward, but then, you know, you can't leave it out and use the countertop at the same time. So mm. that's why I did the side slide, because you can leave the fridge in the open position and then you can do your whole meal, whatever you want, without having to put the fridge back. So it's, it's yep. pretty nice. Yep. Yeah, totally. What did you do? about the the main entry you know there's that question of am i going to leave the u-haul kind of roll up door or am i going to pull that out and like build something else how, how did you handle that yeah so I, I did quite a bit you know when i built this i'd already been doing van life for a long time so i did a ton of camping trips as soon as i bought this thing before well, you know with the old roll-up door in place uh-huh and the problem is that it it leaks air. It's not a good seal at all. And so yeah. whatever the outside conditions are, they're coming inside. <laughs> so it yeah. gets very, yeah. very cold with that rear door. And like when the wind blows, it like pushes the door back and forth and it makes a racket. So what most people have done is they remove the roll-up door completely. And then mm-hmm. they frame in a completely new rear wall with the door. Yep. But yep. I was... I'm always just trying to think about what's the least I can do and the quickest and the cheapest. And so I just left the roll-up door. And what I did is I just kind of sealed it. So I sealed all around the edges. Uh-huh. And then I put plywood, a sheet of plywood over the door to kind of connect all the individual panels. Okay. Because the roll-up door, it's like a garage door, right? Where it's like a bunch of different sections that, yep. that all yep. move independently. So basically it created a rigid wall and then I just cut out the opening for my regular entry door. So that nice. allowed me to save money on materials. I didn't have to build out a whole new door. And the rear U-Haul door is really solid. It's good quality. So I didn't see mm-hmm. any reason to like cut it all out and throw it away and then spend a bunch of money on new lumber. Yeah. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I would imagine that if you were in a colder climate, you might, you know, 
you would be feeling the loss of that insulation on that back wall, but it seems like it hasn't been a problem for you. Yeah, you know, because of the lifestyle I live, I'm always kind of following the good weather. So, yeah. you know, it gets cold at night sometimes. Like even here, yeah. I'm, here, I'm in Arizona right now and it gets down uh, to the 30s sometimes at yeah. night. Yeah. But I have a diesel heater that keeps me warm. So, you know, if I was somewhere where it gets into the negatives and it's, you know, freezing for a week, that might be a different situation. But yeah. uh, I'm, I'm never really in too harsh of climate. Yeah. Tell me about that diesel heater. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, it's the five kilowatt diesel heater, and you know they make the the name brand ones that are about a thousand bucks. And this is the the cheap one on eBay. I got it. I got it for like a hundred and fifty bucks. Wow. And I was just concerned, honestly, because I, I'm like, there's no way that a hundred and fifty dollar unit is going to compare to a thousand dollar unit. And it's like, you know, from China, and I'm like, how long is it going to last? But I've been using it for two years now, and I haven't had any problems with it. It's just been working great. And so my mind nice. has been kind of blown that it's worked so well. And so this is a little forced air unit. Like it 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 burns diesel, it creates hot air, and it kind of blows it out into your cabin. Yes, correct. And the benefit about this style is that it the intake and exhaust is out goes outside the vehicle. Um, yep. versus like a lot of propane, like you can get, get the buddy heaters or like uh, wave heaters that are ventless propane heaters, but they create condensation because yeah. the burnt propane gas is inside your vehicle. And so this yeah, is a completely, yeah, this is a completely dry heat. So when, uh, how big of a tank of, of fuel do you carry and, and where is it in the van? So the diesel heater and the tank is behind the passenger seat. Okay. So, you know, my thought on that was when I'm in the living space is when I'm running the heater, I'm not up front in the cab. And so that way I don't have to, because it does make a little bit of noise when it's operating. So I don't have sure. to hear it. And then if I'm filling it up with the diesel, I don't have to smell it, that type of stuff. So it is uh, in a separate space. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been... Um... I've been fascinated by these, the cabin heaters, these diesel heaters, just because the technology has been around for a long time because, you know, trucking has been around for a long time. Right. It, it's always a bummer that, it, or like, wouldn't it be cool if, if your van was diesel and you could just be pulling fuel out of your fuel tank? Yes. But, uh, I guess for, for a number of reasons that I don't fully understand, gasoline doesn't make as good of a heating fuel that as diesel yes and that's you know this is a gasoline vehicle and i have friends with diesel vehicles and they've done that they tap into their gas tank and then they have yeah. like an endless yeah. heat source yep but they do not make a gasoline heater and i just i don't know why i kind of some people were saying that the gasoline burns it's a lot more flammable than diesel mm -hmm. and so there might be some safety issues with having a gasoline heater i'm not I'm not entirely yeah. sure, but there must be a good reason because nobody makes one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, would it be possible to have um, essentially put in a, a a fill for your tank from the outside so that you could just like roll up to a diesel gas station and just fill your, your fuel tank? Yeah. So you have two options. Um, like on my vehicle, there's actually a space in the back for a second gas tank. 
So oh, if okay. you wanted, you could actually install like a full size 30 gallon tank and just use that for diesel. Mm-hmm. And then I actually just saw a video on YouTube of a guy that did what you're talking about. He used the the two and a half gallon tank that comes with the heater, but he cut a fill door in the side so he can pull up to a gas station and just fill it yep. manually. Yep. The only trick is that it, it doesn't have an auto shut off like a traditional car gas tank does. So uh, you you have to be really careful because you can easily overfill it. Overfill it. Yeah. Right. It doesn't do that like the tank just clicks off yep. when it's full. Kind right. Of thing. It won't do that. So you just have to keep an eye on it. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. but it's definitely, definitely a nice option. That's awesome that, you know, these, these diesel heaters are cool. And, and as somebody who, you know, I have a propane heater, a direct vent propane thing in my tiny house and yep. it's just nonstop problems for me. Yeah. And, you know, something like this is pretty Pretty darn appealing, I will say. How small it is, how easy it is to get the fuel, and just, you know, the fact that, you know, and I didn't even know about these ones on eBay, but like, if it breaks and you have to fully, full stop, replace the unit, you're out another hundred bucks, which, you know, that's usually what it costs just to get someone from a furnace company to show up at your house. Oh my, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And like, what I would do if I lived in a tiny house is I would just buy two of them. And yeah. then that way yeah. you would always have spare parts, right? Yep. Yep. Um, well, very cool. Thank you. That's, that's a major tip for me. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of marinate on that a bit and see, think about maybe retrofitting my tiny house with a, with a diesel heater. Um, so you, um, you work, you obviously you live full time in your, in your U-Haul van. How, how often are you moving? You know, usually that's a good question. It it depends. You know, usually I'll go through phases where mm-hmm. I'll be in a place for a while. Like, you know, I've been in the state of Arizona for a couple months, but I'm, you know, traveling short distances to different meetups and to visit friends. So it's like short term traveling. So I'll usually stay somewhere for a few days and then relocate. And then like when the summer comes, if I go back to the Northwest, you know, then I'll be traveling for a couple weeks mm-hmm. to get there and, you know, take my time, spend a, a few days in a spot. So the nice thing is you just kind of go at your own pace yeah. and, you know, take your time. And when you're, when you're done at a place and you're ready to move on, then you just kind of hit the road. So it's really hard as a nomad to make plans, you know, because you just never quite know, you know, what you're going to want to do or what's going to come up and something you might want to go do you know so it's uh it's definitely a, a journey yeah that's that's really cool you can just kind of follow follow your passions po- follow your interests wherever they may take you yeah absolutely and it's cool like for example i just went to uh down here in arizona they had Palooza about a week and a half ago which is a huge gathering in the desert not so i was there for like a week mm-hmm. and then after it was done a bunch of friends we're going to go to this hot spring that's about an hour and a half away in California. Yeah. And so we caravan down to this hot spring and spent a couple of days there just soaking and getting all the, all the dust off of us. And then I was like, man, we're only two hours from San Diego, you know, beautiful yeah. ocean. And yeah. so we were like, Hey, let's go to the beach. So then we just drove and spent a few days in San Diego. So it's just Neat. this, yeah, it's just like, what do you want to do today? You know, and you can just change your location pretty effortlessly. 
And, you know, if you would have asked me a week ago before the event, I had no plans of going to San Diego. <laughs> but, you know, the universe just kind of, uh, you know, leads you leads you to some new options. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, in terms of, of your work now, um, you mentioned that you sold your business. So, you know, what do you do from the road to make money? So I've done a lot of different things. The one thing that's consistent is I haven't had a consistent income, you know, in four years. So I've just done odd jobs here and there. I did some photography work, some videography work. I actually landed a gig doing videography for a pretty popular van lifer on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to travel with him for about a year and help film and edit. And that was a perfect job because I was paid to travel and just, you know, be a nomad. So that was pretty sweet. Awesome. And um, yeah, so for me, it's it hasn't been anything consistent. It's just kind of been, it always, the money just always kind of shows up when I need it. But then the mm -hmm. flip side of that is that I don't have, you know, a huge cushion, you know, a big savings account or anything. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And that's, you know, that's one of the big appeals of, of this lifestyle where you can afford to have a lot more free time and not have to work all the time in order to afford just your, your baseline life. Yeah. You know, especially now, you know, when you look at trying to rent an apartment and setting up your internet and your gas and your water and your trash and your Netflix and your subscription services and your car insurance, all of a sudden, you know, you, you're, you're 25, three grand a month out of pocket. Yeah. And you haven't even bought groceries yet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah. a lot, a lot of people I feel like get caught of just working to pay the bill. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, I kind of remember doing this exercise when I was like thinking about a tiny house and, and, you know, I built my tiny house very much because I wanted that same kind of freedom, like less, less monthly expenses so that I could, you know, quit my job and, and try to do my own thing. And like, I looked at, you know, five days a week for one month and I kind of on a calendar I kind of filled in how many days of my work month were going towards different expenses. So like, you know, half of my month was like just rent. Yep. And then like another th four days of work. I don't remember these numbers. I'm making them up. Like four days was food and like two days was utilities and, and on and on. And I remember realizing that like of the, let's see, a five day a week job. So that's 20 days a month of work. like one and a half of them was just money that I could use for travel or for, for recreation or for whatever, or for savings or for whatever I wanted. Um, and I was just like, that is not, you know, <laughs> when you put it out there that starkly, like I'm working for all these things and only like one day a month of my work actually goes towards me. Right. Um, so speaking of money, you, you did share in your video how much, you know, the van cost you to build total. Um, would you be willing to share that here? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the van was 5500 And then I estimated, you know, I didn't like keep an Excel spreadsheet of expenses, uh -huh. but I estimate about 5000 you know, into materials and parts and all that. And that includes like the solar and the batteries and everything. Yeah. And then and, how long did the build? Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, and that's, you know, just coming from experience and, you know, being able to do it myself. Right. So the biggest expense of a buying a, any kind of tiny home is the labor of the people that build it. And then if you're buying it from a company, you're paying the labor of the people that built it. Plus you're paying the overhead of the company. Yeah. So it, that's why, you know, they have sprinter conversions for $200,000. <laughs> There's not $200,000 worth of wood inside that sprinter. You know, you're paying yeah. everybody else's, paying for everybody else. So if you can do it yourself, you can get away with it pretty cheap. Yeah, for sure. So did you have a much, you know, construction experience before your first van? So I did. I worked as a heating and air conditioning technician for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I knew plumbing and electrical and some construction. So I, I mean, I did have a pretty good skill set and I did nice the house I was living in before I sold it. I remodeled that house. Like, you know, I laid down 1500 square feet of flooring and, you know, tore out a wall. So it's like, I was like, if I can remodel a house, I can convert a van. Yeah. So I was pretty handy, but I got to say, I've met people and even some ladies that like that are like I didn't even know how to use tools and you know they watched some YouTube videos and they DIY'd it and it turned out badass so you don't have to have all the skills right up front uh if you don't have the skills you just have to spend more time on on research and on kind of learning those skills right yep yep well one thing that I like to ask all my guests is you know what are two or three resources that that kind of helped you or inspired you while you were, you know, planning or building out your vans um, that you'd like to share with with our listeners? For sure. The first thing I did was I just watched thousands of YouTube videos Mm -hmm. and I wasn't watching build videos, but I was watching other van lifers to try to get a sense of, you know, what of the actual experience of living on the road. Yeah. And not the glamorous, like I woke up under the sunset, but like, you know, how are you uh, getting water? How much water do you need? Like what, you know, what's your setup like? Um, You know, how big of a fridge do you have? So I feel like the internet is so amazing. And so the first thing I would do is I would just watch a bunch of videos and try to figure out you know, are you going to be part-time or full-time? You know, do you uh, figure out what systems you need, what style of vehicle you need, and uh, and then kind of go down that path. So that was a really good resource for me was just YouTube. And, um, and then I got to say, I already talked about it, but buying vehicles. So you can go to vanlifetrader.com, and that's a yep. great place to get ideas of what vehicle what's possible right you can see a lot of possibilities different layouts a lot of finished products and then i mean if you have the money to buy something you can buy something there and if you are going to build something you can just get great ideas of what's possible so i love i love van life trader and then if you're going to try to buy a vehicle yourself for cheap and build it out then i would go to craigslist or facebook marketplace Right, the stuff you find on Van Life Trader is going to be those hundred to two hundred thousand dollars Sprinter vans. Um, you've got to then go build it yourself and save a ton of money. So, you know, one thing I wanted to do as part of my mission was to kind of be of service to others, and yeah. I wanted to help p- other people get into van life. And so, one thing I'm doing is I'm offering 
some free courses online to help people that want to transition into this lifestyle. Nice. And so I have one coming up February 23rd. It's called Discovering Your Dream Home on Wheels. Okay. And it's actually going to walk people through the process to try to help them determine, you know, uh, what they would want their experience to look like. You know, do they plan to be uh, boondocking or staying in national parks mm-hmm. or city stealth camping or maybe all of the above? Yeah. And then figuring out like, you know, what their what systems their van needs. Um, do they need a shower? Do they need a full bath? Uh, how much electricity do they need? How much water storage do they need? So I'm going to be answering a lot of those questions and help people kind of, you know, figure out exactly what they need so then they can go out and and uh, and live their best van life. And so if people are interested in that course, they can go to my website, vanliferx.com. And it's free, so they can sign up and, and uh, hopefully help figure out what's right for them. That's awesome. And this... Um... I will put a link to that on the show notes page for, for this episode. And that's, that's awesome. That's really generous. And, you know, just from this interview, I've, I've learned a couple of things from you. And so I'm sure that the, the class has a lot to offer. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, I don't realize kind of how much I know that other people don't just because after four years, it just kind of becomes habit. Yep. And you just assume other people know. But I put out a tip on my Instagram last week about uh, how I take how I deal with my trash. And I had a friend that's been doing van life for about two and a half years. And she was like, I had no idea about this. I'm so glad you shared it. And I was just like, really? (laughs) I figured that this is what you were doing the whole time. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there's always something to learn, right? Totally, totally. Well, Nomad Brad, thank you so much for, for being a guest on the show. This was such a fun conversation, and, and I, I think that there's a lot to learn here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate you reaching out, and I appreciate the time and getting to talk to you and you know chat a little bit about, about van life. I love it. You know, I'm going to keep going as long as, uh, as long as I'm able. Thank you so much to Nomad Brad for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes, including links to Nomad Brad's website, YouTube channel, and more at thetinyhouse.net slash 200. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 200. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, proudly sharing the 200th episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast with you. I'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.